Welcome to the Thriller Fiction Podcast, your source for gripping and twisty stories in a serialized format. And now, here's your host, Jim Heskett. One more time with feeling. Ah, oh, that's right. It's the final chapter in Museum Attack, chapter 19, and we're going to get it today. You're going to find out how it all ends. It's pretty exciting, right? I mean... I think if you've made it this far into the second season of the Thriller Fiction Podcast, you're probably excited to find out what happens, right? I mean, it's not like you're just listening to this because you've got nothing better to do. I mean, I know you're busy. You've got lots to do. There there are plenty of other things. You could be building a birdhouse. You could be working on your memoirs. You know, there are lots of things you could be doing. I don't want to tell you that, that you shouldn't listen and that you should go build a birdhouse, but... You know, that's just an example of something that you could be doing. But today, we're not building birdhouses. We're reading Museum Attack, a Lane Parish action thriller. And this is the final chapter, so I'm going to stop rambling, and we're going to go ahead and get into it. Get him, screamed one invader. Lane ducked back down as shots peppered the pedestal and the statue above him. The statue came crashing down, bits of broom handles and mops and pieces of wicker chairs spreading out like rain. He closed his eyes as wood splinters pelted the top of his head. He had to move. They would close in on him in a matter of seconds. He leaned around the right side of the statue to see advancing men. Then back around to the left side of the statue, something odd caught his eye. He was looking at a large glass window. Through it was one of the invaders' barricades, that large steel plate except instead of the standard three-man position behind this steel plate as the others had, there was only one behind this one, a weak spot. Lane dropped to the floor and put his finger on the M203 grenade launcher trigger attached to his M4. He squeezed it. Unlike a gunshot, the grenade launched with a pop. The projectile sailed through the air and smashed against the window. A few heads traced the grenade zipping across the room. The window shattered into a million pieces, raining down on the invaders in front of it. They dropped and covered their heads with their hands. Lane popped up and showered them with bullets. In his hands, the M4 grew hot, but he kept the trigger down until the magazine had emptied. It only took a couple of seconds, but he cut through the line of men near the window several times over. With everything he had left in him, he sprinted toward the now open window, Beretta's up. He shot the three men on either side of it, then he emptied his clip into the single man guarding the barricade. That man twisted under the hail of bullets. Lane kicked some of the glass out of the way to leap outside of the building. Fresh air, sunlight on his face. The helicopter overhead had been drifting away from the building, but it turned in midair, back toward him. Lane dropped his guns and waved his hands over the top of the barricade. He tried to push it over, but it was too sturdy. Here! Come through here! It's a weak spot! Jumping up and down, waving his arms like a maniac, He caught the attention of a few SWAT guys concealed behind the door of a Chevy Suburban. They looked at each other, confused for a second, then they seemed to understand. One of them waved his arm toward the broken glass in the unmanned barricade. A few of them lined up and marched towards Lane's position. And then, Lane felt something smack against him. It was like being hit in the back with a lead pipe. He stumbled, unable to stop his forward momentum. He realized he'd been shot. He twisted as he went horizontal, the back of his head smacking on the cold ground. Had the body armor caught the bullet? 
As the air whooshed out of him and he struggled to breathe, he couldn't be sure. He stared up the blue sky as the barricade shifted to the side, and a stream of SWAT team members poured through the opening, rushing inside the building. Weapons up, gunshots like lightning bolts ejecting from the barrels of their rifles. Lane lifted his head and made eye contact with the tall, blue-eyed invader. Amid a hail of bullets, the man grinned at him. Their mutual gaze didn't last long, though, because he took a round in the head, his body snapping sideways. The few other remaining terrorists all fell in a matter of seconds. The cops immediately swarmed on the hostages, circling them, guns facing out to form a protective circle. Lane realized he hadn't seen red among the invaders in this room. Where was the leader? Lane rolled over under his stomach, heaving to take a breath. He ripped off the body armor and felt around his back, sore, but no blood. The vest had caught it, had saved his life. Then he ditched the belt and staggered to his feet. Gulping huge breaths of air, he stepped inside the building, hands raised above his head. He could hardly walk. Every part of his body throbbed. His ears rang worse than the aftereffects of any loud concert he'd ever attended. A trio of SWAT team members raised their AR-15s at him, shouting. In the chaos, Lane couldn't hear anything they were saying. Jasmine was in the basement. Red was unaccounted for. Basement, Lane said, his hands held high. She's down in the basement. One man, rifle raised, approached Lane. Did you shoot out the window? Was that you? Lane nodded, woozy, head spinning. Didn't know if he could stand up much longer. We need to get in the basement. We're going to wait right here, sir, the cop said as he lowered his weapon. Please have a seat and we'll get to you in a moment. No, she's in danger down there. We need to get to the basement right now. The cop turned to another one and they shared a look. One of them said something to the other, but Lane missed it. A wave of pain vibrated out from his back like pins and needles from head to toe. What's in the basement, the cop said, shouting. One of the few hostages, my friend, please let me take you down to her. The cop leaned forward and patted Lane down. Then he shifted his rifle strap to his back. Which way? Lane pointed to the elevator and the cop nodded. Follow me, sir. Lane limped over to the elevator and pressed the button. A moment later, the door shifted open. The cop pressed the B button and then frowned when nothing happened. Lane held up a hand, motioning the cop out of the way. He jimmied the lock mechanism again to send them down to the basement. The pain in Lane's body threatened to take him off his feet. He had to lean against the wall to stay upright, heaving deep breaths. He had been a long time since he'd been shot. The elevator landed and the cop escorted him into the basement. Right away, Lane could tell something was off. He didn't see her anywhere. Jasmine, it's me. His voice sounded weak and feeble, barely above a whisper. He cleared his throat and repeated himself. The cop took a step further, rifles raised. His eyes tracked down, but Lane didn't look. He was focused on finding Jasmine. She came around the corner holding the knife up, shaking. The cop pointed his rifle at her, but Lane put out his hands. No, this is her. She's one of the hostages. Then to Jasmine. It's okay. Drop the knife. He's a cop. Lane pointed at the large letters SWAT on the man's body armor. See? Big yellow letters. She nodded, her hands limp at her sides. Lane now noticed the form on the floor, buzzed auburn hair, blood pooling underneath him. Red, on the floor, not moving. Lane squinted and saw the gash on his neck. Jasmine's arms and face were streaked with blood. She dropped the knife and raced across the room. She threw her arms around Lane and he squeezed her back as hard as he could. He didn't care about how much it hurt his midsection.
What happened? He said. He came down here, she said, speaking red into his ear. I jumped out and I surprised him. He wasn't sure how long the embrace lasted. Maybe 15 seconds, maybe 30. And when it was over, he pulled back and put his hands on the sides of her face. He smiled at her, trying to ignore the ringing in his ears and the pounding in his head. And, through the tears, she smiled back at him. I told you I would come back, he said. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the conclusion of Museum Attack, Elaine Parrish action thriller. Do you want more? Go to jimheska.com forward slash shadow soldiers. Or if you want to get this and some other books for free, go to jimheska.com forward slash free. If you want to win some free stuff, go to jimheska.com forward slash contest. Now you might be asking yourself, well, what's next? Is this season over? Not quite. There is some more. What's more? Nah, I'm not going to tell you that. You're just going to have to go on to the next episode. If you're listening to this in real time, it'll be out in a couple days, maybe three or four days. But I promise there is more. All right, guys, have a good one. Be kind to each other. That's it for this episode of the Thriller Fiction Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and visit jimheskett.com for more info and free thriller books.